I don't know, earthy, I guess. But it g- gives you a bit of a buzz, like caffeine-esque, but more hmm. steady. The poo-er tea. Poo-air tea? Poo-er. P-U hyphen E-H. Yeah, I've been getting into the teas lately too. Check it out. I will. I will check it out. Yep. It's going to be good while I drink my coffee. I'm having <laughs> coffee way too late. You know those moments when you're drinking coffee and you know you shouldn't be drinking coffee? That's why I'm drinking poo-air, lad. Yeah, well, now, now I feel like I'm really missing out on the poo-air. Yeah. Anyway, long black it is. Yeah, well. Ah, Fabian Stora, a.k.a. Faber. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for having me. It's, um, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm loving the podcast. I'm loving what you guys are doing. Thanks, dude. So you've listened to a couple of apps, you Yeah, I listened to the one with that with the artist, don't know his name. The the bloke who works with Clay. Dan Elborn. Yep. Yep. Dan Elborn, yep. Um Did you dig that one? That was fucking awesome. I thought I thought you'd like that one. I was yeah. thinking of you actually when we were speaking with him. You got yeah. a similar energy about you you and uh, you and Dan have got a very similar energy. Maybe that's what I Shield. was feeling. He's probably into the Pu'er tea, I reckon. He would be. He'd drink it out yeah. of a clay mug. He'd be, yeah, have, that he yeah. made himself. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that he made that he made seven million of himself. Yeah. <laughs> no, the way he talked about clay was just like, yeah. Anyone who talks about anything with that level of depth and passion, I think I'd find interesting, even if it was like a a motor or some shit that I have no interest in. Hundred percent, dude. I've been finding that too. Hey, I was I was chatting with someone the other day, and um, I can't remember what it was they were they were into. It was something super super niche, like they were a, like a similar sort of thing, like a geologist or something. And they just started talking about dirt, but with so <laughs> much passion. I was like, "Yeah, sick! I'll, I'll back the dirt. That's yeah. pretty cool." I yeah. think that's what it is. I think it's just you know the world would be a better place if it was just more people just really digging their thing, regardless of what it is. Yeah, just. People who care. But I suppose when we get into the conversation with you and some of the work that you're doing, I suppose you'd be around people that are really into certain things, right? Definitely. And really niche things too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we'll get into we'll get into that um, soon. But the way we met Faber was through Darcy. So this is like a this is a full diff reversal. It's kind of like Yeah, it is a diff reversal. Yeah, really good mate of mine. Now onto onto Dust. Dust, tell us the backstory before we throw it of Faber with the old uh... The backstory to Faber. So Fab and I met we met uh year, I was in year seven at school, Fab was in year eight. Uh but we are the same age. I was the old kid for my year level, he was the young one for his. And uh we were friends, Faber. What was it? From about year nine, ten onwards, I would suggest. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that's when the year levels merged. That's it. So I saw Fab sitting there by himself for one too many lunchtimes <laughs> in a row. And I thought, this guy needs a hand up. Like sometimes <laughs> you just got to give people a hand up in life. And I thought Fab's the perfect one to give it to. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, that has been, that's been the sort of the story of our friendship ever since. Just me <laughs> yeah. pulling him up, um, him dragging me down really. And so yeah. I thought I'd bring him onto the podcast. This, this is it. Like the podcast is going <laughs> so, so we got him well. onto the podcast. It's time to bring yeah. Fab onto it and bring it down to the level. That's it. Oh, yeah, man. I'm hoping I'll ruin your business just by being on this podcast. <laughs> That's the challenge. No, no. I think I, I think Darcy will be brought down to a healthy level through yourself, Fabas. So I'm looking forward to this. You can yeah, you might the be the straight. you might be the first guest that figures out a way to not prop him up at the same time while you're talking on the. That's definitely not happening. I definitely won't be doing that. There's no, there's no concern there. <laughs> the real, real authority complex I've got going on here. It's really sad. So, uh, yeah. So then, Fab and I, we, Fab and I, were the type to always be the ones that would break off at a party, uh, go have a beer, look at the stars, and discuss why on earth we're even here as human beings. It was something that you know, part of our friendship we've always shared. It's been incredible. Um, and. I suppose probably Fab. We went to we went to university together. We studied psychology together. We uh, we've lived together. We've uh, everything together. We've we've done it as friends. And it's interesting now that sort of we've gone full circle um, in in our own pursuits of our own loves and how they've started to clash. One thing that I I love about what you've done, Fab, and we'll get into this shortly, is that there's one thing I'm so envious and so jealous of. It is the work you have done with autistic kids. I think it is extraordinary. I think it's one of the most fascinating things that we're probably going to get into today. Um, and then from there, I'm guessing we're probably going to start going into the world of meditation, uh, Buddhism, to an extent I'm assuming is a pursuit of, of yours. 
uh, that, a pursuit of yours that you do love. Um, but we'll throw it over to you, man. What is the narrative of Fab? Like, wh- how did you get to be on this podcast? Start from the start. Jesus. Um, Jesus. So he started off Christian, <laughs> then where'd it go? Oh, that's a good place to start. Yeah, I went to a Catholic school. Um, <clears throat> actually, we might come back to that, religion and everything like that. But, I mean, our friendship does. Is yeah, go for it. What kind of brought me here specifically? And I was thinking today about when, you know, we used to wander off and, you know, piss in the bushes and look at the stars and <laughs> wonder about all that sort of stuff. And we used to get shit for that. I remember, like, the other boys would take the full piss out of us. And I was like, <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I'm still gonna like wonder about this sort of stuff. And it was too, um, yes. all the those big ideas. They were too intriguing, and they were more. They had more pull than the um, the weight of social critique, I guess. So I'm glad for that, and yeah, I'm happy that you kind of pulled me in that direction as well. Um, so school was awesome. We had a great time actually, and we had an awesome friendship group. We still do. So mm. I've always been very blessed there, and um, a lot of that has played a big part in what I do now because I guess I want other people, especially young people who are clearly missing out on um, social interactions that are, that bring about happiness and well-being. And mm. you see less and less of it these days in schools because of like, you know, the big gripe on social media that's going on. There's a lot of, mm. you know, it's true. It's it's fucking kids up in a lot of ways. Um, so my positive experience at school is kind of a big mm. push for me to for others to have that at the moment. Isn't that interesting? Because you don't often hear that in the working world. So often you'll hear one of two things. People say they hated school. Uh, and number two, they'll often say that's the reason why they want to give people what they didn't have. Does that make sense? Mm. Except, except you've sort of flipped it. You've been like, I had such a good experience at school. I was so blessed socially. I think we all were in our friendship mm. group. And you've sort of flipped it to be like, I want to give people the opportunity of what I had. Well, a lot of my colleagues are definitely in that boat. You mm. know, um, people who went through school and had a shocking time and now want the next generation to not have that, which is great to work with people like that because they pick up on things that I would never pick up on as in they understand loneliness and social isolation to an extent that I don't because I never had it. Um, But I have a good understanding of well-being and what it means to have a strong social connection so I can bring that to the table when we meet together and that's how we produce good programs. Nice. (laughs) But um, what else? My story. Yeah, me and Das went to uni and studied psych together. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, we did three years there. I knew you went to school. To, I went. I knew you went. I knew you went to uni together. I didn't know you studied the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, course. we did the exact same yeah. course at the same time. And um, yep, at the same time. Nice. Did you learn anything, hey? Dars? Learn from university. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey. Hey. Yeah. I, hey? <laughs> yeah. I, I learned. I learned very, very quickly how to get away with not learning. <laughs> yeah. Shocking students, <laughs> weren't we? Social social interaction was good. Social interaction was brilliant. Exactly. I yeah yeah honed my social skills. Um, but I did, and this probably segues into the meditation thing. I did a of a passion on a meditation retreat, which is like this ten day silent retreat, which is it's become pretty popular. So some listeners might know about it, some might not. But I did that in the third year of uni, and I remember thinking that in those ten days, I had learnt infinitely more about. Um, the nature of the mind than I did studying it in my three-year degree. So that was pretty, I don't know, it was a bit of an awakening. So it was just 10 days of pure silence? Is that what it is? Does it do what it says on the box? Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> well. Of course, this, you know, there's more to it. But like just as a general yeah, yeah. gist, it's mostly you're by yourself in your thoughts. No, no. It's So it's, there's a, you know, it's a retreat center. There's dozens of people, maybe 50 people in the retreat center at this particular one so the the silent part of it is like an aspect of it yeah so it's just like you don't talk for 10 days but you're doing pretty intensive 
meditation. Yeah. It's like something like 10 hours of silent meditation. A day. A day, yeah. And I hadn't... Yeah, yeah. I think I've heard of someone else doing this. Yeah. yeah. I hadn't practiced before. I just kind of went straight in and it was it was brutal, man. He said it was... in. Yeah, another, another mate of mine, he's a musician actually, and he went and did something like this. I don't think it was 10 days, but he was saying he was just, yeah, 10 hours in one pose or one just sitting in this sort of thing. Obviously, I'm not really versed in this, but... Uh, he said it was, yeah, brutal. Mm. Not only just the pain from his body, but just the pain of his mind wandering. The mind, man. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's I reckon good. that's pretty full on. Like that's essentially like a 10-day marathon. Yeah. It feels like that mentally for sure. Even physically, <laughs> it's amazing how much pain you can get yourself into by doing nothing at all. Totally. By sitting still. And that was crazy for me because I was like, how can it be so hard? Not just physically, mainly mentally to just sit down. Do you mind if we dive into that, Faber? Is that cool? Mm. Like dive dive right in deep. Dive. So what did you, what was, okay. Oh man, there's so many questions I have here. So number one, what was the first pain that you remember noticing mentally slash emotionally? <clears throat> and then I want to back that up with now when you look back, do you realize that that was just, that seemed massive at the time, but now you look at it and you go, that was just the start, man. Like that was just the first seed. Um, or do you still look back on it and go, no, that was painful then and it's still painful now. I just see it a bit differently. Or how does that sort of interact within your mind? Mm. The the first thing was noticing how rampant my thoughts were. And and what was painful about that though? Like what? how was that even a problem to notice or a painful thing to notice? Because the technique that we're trying to do is so the first four days is just um you place your awareness where your breath leaves your nostrils and goes back in and you place your awareness there and and that's it and i couldn't do it for more than a couple of seconds and i guess it was painful because i was like i realized how little control i had Hmm. and when you place that much when you start to see the mechanics of your mind and what's what was actually going on, I became hyper aware of how that was a source of suffering. Mm. And because to be constantly lost in thought is to be constantly kind of dissatisfied. And there's something inherently pleasurable about being able to pay attention and focus on things. Mm-hmm. You know, like, well said. Mm, well said. I've never thought about that. There's, there's something about our minds or our brains, I don't know, that really enjoys that state, that flow state. And the further you are away from that, I think the more you suffer. Mm. And I was watch, I was watching it all and I be, began to, I guess, well, not understand it. I don't know. I just noticed that. And the contents of my, of my thoughts weren't that flattering. Mm. There was a lot of judgment and... Self-judgment, judgment of others, uh, a lot of critical things, and then just these wild fantasies, which were like, where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> um, yeah, all of a sudden I was confronted with it all, like the whole, it's like everything that it is to kind of be a person. And so it was kind of, it was confronting in a sense. But the more, the more I did it, the more it kind of calmed down and more importantly, the more I was okay with it all. Mm. So what I do... Like when I meditate now, it's not even that different to back then. My mind's a bit quieter probably, but I give less of a shit about what's going on. Mm. Like the point of meditation isn't to stop thinking. You'd never want to stop thinking, you know. I had such a I had such a good analogy from a Zen Buddhist teacher over the weekend. And I'm paraphrasing here, but it was something along the lines of um, what I do in meditation is I – aim to feel more and more pain but care about it less and less hmm. and i thought that is something spot on and that's that's how you deal with well that's how i dealt with the the physical pain of it all is that you go into it like you go right into it and you turn up the clarity of that pain as much as possible and in that process you you don't suffer hmm. you feel the pain you feel everything more but you suffer less. It's sure. a weird, like, it's paradoxical. It's accept- It's like acceptance of suffering? Exactly. Yeah. You accept it. Mm. Did you know that that was the outcome going into it? Great question. Uh, because no. just like from, from this kind of brief explanation of it, if you told me this and said, hey, you want to come, I would just say no. 
Like I don't think I could. Ha- mm. I don't think I could handle that, or I don't think I would want that as an outcome. Personally, anyway. Which part wouldn't you want as an outcome? Like the I I like I I I like doing smaller meditation i guess like 15 20 minutes just to kind of like reset myself for whatever like high emotion i'm feeling at that at that point in time but i i love my ability to just keep thinking Mm. i feel like i wouldn't be able to create as much if i got myself to a place where i didn't think think as often Mm. yeah that that's a really common misconception of what actual meditation is mm. as well that's why i kind of mentioned before that you'd never want to stop thinking yeah um but an ability to to hone that thinking like all meditation is really is like coming to understand the mind and being able to use it more productively mm. so it it's it doesn't hamper creative ability I'd, i would argue that it enhances it okay but in saying that i don't think a 10-day meditation retreat is for everyone I don't think meditation per se is for everyone. You got to know yeah. how your own mind works, you know. And everyone kind of plugs in in different ways. Because mm. you do hear of people attending something like this and having a full meltdown, or just not being able to handle what they find. Like me and Steve yep. described it as you open Pandora's box and have no idea where the key is to close it again, or what to do with the box, anything like this. Mm. Yeah, that that's a real weakness I see of for partner centers which is the one that I did and I have great respect for that technique but there's a there's a kind of a downside there with I don't know it's an intensive thing and if you do you yeah, think, do you think that they yeah yeah you just said it do you think that they should be screening attendees before they come along I mean they do in a way but it, it could potentially be more thorough mm. yeah cuz even like Stephen Darcy do that for the the sales game event that we run well, we've mm. kind of discovered we probably were in a similar position where, you know, the more that we're delving into the game and what's the game seems to draw out and people, you know, we've had many conversations to us where we're like, okay, we probably need to ramp up that screening just a little bit. Um, yeah. Because it's strange when you're dealing with, I don't know if this is the right word, but mental health essentially as a, as a broad category. It's essentially why I think, you know, that probably sits on top of it seems to be outside looking on a meditation people do it for different reasons i think partially it's for a coping mechanism of how to face the day and you know yeah you know be chilled or sleep better you know but then some people use it as a real um spiritual gateway and they go they go really deep with it but i i agree with you i i think it's not for everyone i think i think sometimes people are perhaps better off just you know dealing with what they can not to say forever but i I think uh i think it's dangerous for people particularly to move into things that are i believe a spiritual gateway Mm -hmm. i think you need to be aware of what what you put put in the hands of people you know definitely it's similar to handing a 300 kilogram weight to someone who's never been in a gym before and tell them to lift they're only going to do an injury yeah good analogy yeah so you're saying you got to build yourself up to it well i didn't i had never sat before and I just went straight in and it's the best thing that I ever did but mm. I c- can't say that for everyone else you know it's a bit of your personality type too Fab just knowing you briefly you're a, you're a deep dog sort of guy you know like you, when you yeah. do something you want to jump in and do it you know yeah I think you have to know yourself well enough to make the call yeah and if you don't then don't do it <laughs> do you think partially it's good advice do you think partially people are just afraid of what they'll find yeah, for sure. It's like, yeah. yeah. And that's totally understandable. It's like, we, we're humans. We've got a lot going on in there. Mm. We're messy people. We are messy and we're dark. We're so dark. Yeah. This has been such a topical thing we've been talking about lately as well, Steve. I love that you've brought this up. Is that people's shadow side, people's dark side. And Fab, I know you've done a lot of research into um, the, the shadow side, Carl Jung. Um, this whole area. Shout out to Andrew Pierce as well. I know he'll be listening. He's a big fan of this sort of stuff. Mm. Um, what have you found uh, meditation has helped you uncover about that dark side of humans that we've seemed to have become so good at hiding? Can can we get a, like a bit of a brief explanation as to what you would yeah. 
Go for it, Faber. Yeah, what, what, are the, what are the terms? Define the terms of a dark side. Define yeah. them, yeah. Yeah, let's get good at that this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Define the terms. Yeah, when Diff spoke about that, I thought that was amazing. There's, we don't define our terms enough in any discourse these days. So I'm with him on that. Don't define our terms at all in <laughs> anything, <laughs> including that sentence just then. Um, shadows. Shadows are basically the the parts of ourselves that we're unconscious of that we would prefer not to look at, that we'd prefer not to be aware of. Yeah. They, they form basically as your personality and your ego forms. It forms around things that you associate with and that you want to be associated with. So very naturally you repress and push away all the really ugly parts of, of personality and of life. And then in that process, you start to project those things onto other people and to other things. So it's always the other person who is greedy and kind of selfish. It's never, you know, it's not you. It's So you're projecting all these shadows that you understandably think belong to other people, but they're actually, it's coming from you. It's your thing, you know. Hmm. So that old thing that whatever you're criticizing or judging in someone else is ultimately yours. So that's what you talk about when you talk about shadows. Hmm. But yeah, so that can go pretty dark and pretty deep because the worst thing imaginable that you can project onto someone else could potentially be you. You know what I mean? Hmm. What was the question? <laughs> how does meditation help me? Yeah, how, what have you uncovered about that and what's really intrigued you about that in your research through it? I'm guessing, I'm, I'm claiming meditation as a form of research mm. unto itself here. Honestly, the, the, the shadow work and that sort of stuff hasn't come so much through meditation. In fact, I think maybe there's something lacking there in, um, in potentially in, in Buddhism as well that kind of doesn't adequately address that for my likings. Like that's when I go to, that's when I go to Jung and I, I read about this kind of stuff. Uh, but the more I read about it and the more I'm aware of it, I see it come up just through. Um, and here when I'm talking about meditation, it's like, we can talk about two two types of meditation. For me, it's like the formal where I'm sitting on the cushion for however long, you know, and then there's informal meditation, which is just daily mindfulness, mm-hmm. which is just being aware, which is trying to turn life and the art of life and the practice of life into meditation itself. Mm-hmm. So that's where you see shadows come up. When I'm really aware and mindful, I notice when I'm projecting onto others and just judging the shit out of people. Mm. and you know just being a bit of a dick internally and just being aware of that mm. and it's like oh, okay that's my thing i got to integrate that i got to be aware of it you know so it's more of the the day-to-day mindfulness kind of yeah. thing yeah got it that's it i'd love to go back just two steps when you're talking about um I'm, I'm curious about that when you said um when you're looking into Buddhism around shadow, that it doesn't it doesn't answer. Well, I can't remember exactly what you said. Yeah. What 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 is it missing for you? What is it that what is it that Jung explains better? If that poor words, you know, get just you get the gist of what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Definitely. Maybe with Jung, he put things in a way that I'd never heard or read had been put that way before. Um, there are probably parts of Buddhism that I just haven't come in contact with that do deal with this sort of stuff, but I never came in contact with it um, because a lot of it is about um, the nature of reality itself mm-hmm. and which like those teachings are fucking fascinating, um, but not so much about like, I mean, it is a lot about personal psychology. I don't know. He touched on something that I had just never come across before mm. and it's not that that buddhism is just this um kind of rainbows and flowers kind of just peace and love it's not at all it's it's pretty full-on actually it's um you know the main tenet of buddhism is that life is suffering mm. and it's like so that's pretty hardcore in itself mm. seems to be universally yeah. true across many religions yeah yeah and i think there's it is a fundamental truth mm. It's not a nice one for even people to swallow. Like, okay. It's a hard one to swallow. You're born into suffering. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy your stay. <laughs> you know? Enjoy. 
Enjoy your stay. You probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good though. I like... Uh, you have to pay for it anyway. It's, uh, it's an interesting thing to explore. I think it's, I think it's cool. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about your... Um, I'm fascinated by your work, dude. Like how you spend your days and um, you know, what, a, what, a, what a typical week looks like for you. Um, I might be putting words in, 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 my ma- in your mouth, but you seem a fairly holistic sort of dude as well. And so I'd be curious to know how you kind of integrate all of it together. Uh, I don't, I'm guessing, I don't see you compartmentalizing. Okay. I'm work fab and now I'm non work fab. I'd kind of see you as just the same sort of dude, which I immensely respect similar to my mate Diff, you know, he's a guy that is the same in any situation. Um, which, you know, I think is, is a really, really cool, uh, cool thing to do. So yeah, tell us a bit about your work and how it all kind of integrates. Yeah, meditation's been my gateway into all of this just general well-being sort of stuff. So it's kind of expanded to include a lot more than just time on the cushion. Um, as far as work goes, I work with yeah, autistic, not just teenagers, young autistic people, primary school up to well, I run an adults group now. So oh, amazing. I didn't yeah, know that. didn't know that, yeah. Yeah. So basically I've got I'm working with ages 8 to 25, which is awesome. It's a super, super widespread. <laughs> um, I love it. So we're working with these individuals who basically are having a hard time at school or they're just a little bit different, you know. And so we're offering programs to kind of suit that. Um within schools and within communities. And the basic idea is to um, to celebrate those differences, to kind of really hone in on the things that they are obsessed with and the things that they love to do and um, trying to bring that out as much as possible and turn that into as much as a positive thing as possible. Um, because for a lot of these guys, there's been a like a, a deficit view, I suppose, of their learning differences. Hmm. Um, things are changing a lot. Um, and, yeah, we're kind of in there helping to change that as much as possible. And we do that, we do it socially. It's a social group and that that social aspect, which what we kind of started on, that's what allows it to be so powerful um, because these are kids who are, who have experienced social isolation when you can kind of knit that social fabric back together and plug them into some sort of connection with others, it's like magic things start happening. Mm. It's it's awesome. So I'm much more interested in a holistic general view of well-being now, um, especially when it comes to mental health because I just see so much, so much anxiety now mm. and like it's pervasive in in a lot of young people and it's weird. We kind of need to do something about it. Like we need a new paradigm when it comes to mental health. Yeah. Um, but the cohort I work with, are, you know, they're autistic, they're Asperger's. So there's a whole unique set of challenges that I'm Did you ever think this be with. where you'd end up, like in this sort of section of psychology and mental health? Like when we were at uni, did you ever – consider this as well no yeah no it just kind of flowed into existence do you love it yeah oh shit yeah 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 it's sick you'd have i reckon you'd have about thirty thousand funny stories too just as a <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean they're just the most unique people to work with especially especially the younger ones like i love the primary school programs i mean i love them all but it, there's something about the really young kids who just have this open nature which is it's really um beautiful and easy to work with actually because they're open to experience and they don't have so many um they're kind of too young for the the anxiety of life hasn't set in yet and they haven't been so they haven't set up these these structures that limit them yet Mm -hmm. and working with those guys is is the best yeah that's sick I think I noticed that even in like <clears throat> just having kids in general in like I reckon parents will relate to this. There's a moment 
and you try and hold on to this for as long as you can, or at least witness it for as long as you can, where you see kids uh, and there's an element of purity about them. Mm. It's like they haven't been infiltrated by things that make them, you know, selfish or, you know, spiteful or whatever, greedy or whatever it may be. Like you just see them and you're like, man, that's cool. Like that's what humans could be if we weren't so messed up, you know? Yeah. But they do, you know, it, it seems to be that it doesn't take long, you know, they hit two years old and then they realize I want that and I'm going to take it from you. <laughs> and so you're like, oh, there it goes. Can never turn back from that point. But it's, it is beautiful to see because it's like, oh, for me, because you're like, I don't know, it gives me huge hope when you see people like this. Yeah, for sure. Sometimes I think in our best moments as adults, we kind of, we regress in a way to a childlike state of mind where mm. we're, we're just curious as shit. And it's like, yeah. there's just a joy in just being around, just being alive that is quite childlike. And that's why I like working with kids because you can reconnect with that a little bit. Yeah. And it's, and, and I suppose in your role, it's, uh, it's appropriate as well yeah like it's what you're meant to do exactly it's cool which would be cool i feel i reckon it'd be so much so much better if the most of the work life wouldn't it be sweet if like one day a week every everyone in the world could just cut sick and be kids again yeah bring your toys to work bring your yeah, trucks yeah, yeah. and that like just sitting up the hallway out here of the office and just like have some matchbox cars and some rc cars and stuff and just <laughs> just shut down the roads and just like we recently went to the coast and i bought the kids scooters and I'm like, stuff this, I'm getting one too. And I love it. It's so much fun. <laughs> I'm like, everyone needs just everyone needs a scooter again. Just whip yeah. some tail whips down, you know. You still got the tail whip? Oh mate, you, you so quickly lose it. I can barely yeah. bunny I can barely bunny hop. We're at the coast and I'm I'm attempting to bunny hop. Like I'm jumping these little like ridges, like cracks in the concrete. <laughs> and then this surfer dude with his surfboard on the side of his bike, just like, you And I'm like, yes, <laughs> lad. Uh, from, for a moment, I was like, I'm a hero. And then I'm like, yeah. yeah, you're a dickhead, Steve. Actually, I'm a loser. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I parked it and I sat on the, on the, on the bench. Anyway. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever had that experience, uh, Fab? Like if you've had a, a big week working with kids or a big day working with kids and you've seen all the magic they can bring to their lives and to their days and the innovation and adventure they naturally bring to their days. And then you step out the door and into a world of adults and you're just immediately hit in the face by the difference between the two cohorts. Mm, not really. I mean, I I also just, I loved like adults as well. I don't know. I love just people in general. Like not all the yeah. time. They annoy the shit out of me as well. Yeah, like Darcy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. God, I <laughs> so, so annoying. But th- there's a, there's on, enough mate. there. There's enough there at all ages just to keep you interested. Even if, like, and like, even if, and especially that someone you don't particularly like, mm. um, which is a hard thing when you're in classrooms because there are just some kids that just like you're like I just I don't like this kid, but you got like why he's just a kid like. If, Figure it out. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, you have to love it. You gotta. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's a. Uh, yeah, I do love my job, and I love the um, how unique the people are that I work with, and I think we're getting better as a society. We definitely are of um, making room for these different minds. Mm. Kind of being aware that there's a lot that can be given to society from um, people like this who who present very differently, you know, mm. who if you were to interview would have a very, very low chance of getting the job because. I was just about to say, yeah, because I think like socially it's becoming more accepted, you know, to accept uh, different, like broadly different people. But when you when you step into a capitalist world, you know, I, I even, I even think in some companies that I work with, where you know, you, I, I, I see people that are a part of the team, and they're clearly different thinkers. Like, just when you give them uh, give them different situations or problems to solve, they think so laterally. Where I was like, that my my brain didn't even go anywhere near that 
Um, but sometimes that's really scary in a capitalist world and they get put into the, the box of, you know, they're a mess or they're crazy or, you know, they're disorganized or, you know, you can't rely on them or, you know what I mean? This sort of thing comes up and so they get, they get pushed to the bottom of the pack. You know, I think what we need to try and figure out is integration between that and like almost maybe a whole new job role. Sure. Of like, I reckon these type of people would be so good in an innovation role. Yeah. Where yeah. you're just like, there is no right way to solve this problem. Just have a go at it. Sure. I reckon you'd come up with the greatest solutions that then someone else could be like, cool, I'll take that. And now I'm going to actually apply some commerce to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it'd be an asset to to the business world as well. I mean, I, I know nothing about business, but I just, I don't know, that kind of makes sense to me. And when you say, especially, you know, those lateral thinkers and you'll hear ideas that are like, I didn't even know yeah. the mind could, yeah. could move in that way. Like I didn't know that that trajectory was there. And I just imagine that applied to, I don't know, innovation exactly, like the kind of things that could be could be achieved. Yeah. Um, but that's what I run up against, especially in the, the adults program is basically a you know a lot of young people who they just they they struggle to interview for jobs so they can't get a job because totally the and understandably the interviewer might is probably not going to hire the person who can't look them in the eyes and who's um dyslexic and who chooses the wrong words and mixes up the order of words and things like that because their anxiety is so high because they're in a social situation that's new and different and it could be the most terrifying thing they've ever done is just to go out and talk to a random person, especially when there's a job online. Mm. So they're not going to get the job kind of thing. Um, so that's what we're mm. working with as well. That's a bit. Of, that's an issue that I don't really know how to overcome. Yeah, it's a challenge to solve, you know. It's a challenge, yeah. Let's jump onto the social media thing, Fab. You seem to circle around that a couple of times. Where do you think we're headed in the social media space when it comes to particularly uh, the use of it in schools, the use of it socially from the ages of, say, 10 to 18 specifically? Um, where do you see all that going? What's the what's the field of play look like there, Faber? <laughs> oh, I think it's pretty it's jungle out there. Pretty grim at the moment. Like that, that kind of ties into what I was thinking oh, about Matt, just here. before. Okay. Matt, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Matt, how are you? Sorry, Matt. I didn't see you. There. I didn't see you come in. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> um, that do you like? I was trying to think about how I could phrase this without it sounding really bad. But that do you think um, like mental health issues are? on the rise, like actually increasing or that we've always kind of been this way and it's gone undiagnosed for a long time? I love that question, man. It's a fantastic question. I love question. it. And would that tie into the increase in social media that's going on hmm. in the world? Yeah. Um, you mean, ment- are you talking, when you talk about the rates of mental health growing up, are you talking about autism in particular or... Oh, uh, I guess I guess more just Because general, I would separate that, yep. Awesome. General kind of thing. Um, yeah, yes. Yeah. Definitely. Because I, I, I mean, that's. Oh, I would assume that um, like autistic people have kind of been around for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think the general like anxiety and depression, those things. I don't. I don't know what the actual stats are, but my observation is that we, well, young people seem definitely seem more anxious than they were. Mm. I don't remember anxiety being such an issue for primary school kids when i was around as it is now primary school kids mm. it's weird that they have to deal with anxiety the biggest yeah. issue i had at primary school was shooting a free throw before the end of lunch just as the lunch bell went and if i got yeah. it in my team one if they didn't I, they lost and i missed <laughs> and that was the biggest problem i had at primary school yeah I'm exactly, a, I'm a exactly. sometimes i couldn't get my pack of shapes over yeah, yeah. That, that's awful bro yeah, See, no one deserves that. No, no one. Yeah. Do you think it's because now, because of social media and that, people view um, things as more permanent than you guys would have looked at when you were younger? Uh, it sounds I like you're asking that. that question in a way that suggests that that's how you see it, Matt. Is that around about right? Oh, I, I think that might be the case. That you know, you put up a status and you think everyone's going to see that for the next, like, or that people don't forget because they're constantly reminded 
versus mm-hmm. like the experiences that you had when you were younger is it's like maybe you were anxious in one situation but next week it didn't matter but next week mm. someone brings it up on facebook again and it's ah, gotcha so it's like what's on the internet is you know well, i think almost permanently yeah yeah with it's that, part of it i think that's well you're probably thinking that as well if the you know these celebrities that getting stung from something that happened 10 years ago as well oh, partially but yeah that's i think for there. young people i think you know the home used to be a safe haven if you really think about it i'm not saying in a broad sense but you know you could have a really bad day at school, you know, you could have a fight at the bus stop, you know, have your little punch up. But then when you got home, you could cho- choose just to stay at home and have no other social interaction other than with your family. And there was yes. no, no phone pinging. There was no messages happening. There was no uploading of the fight of the bus stop and then 47 kids at school going, oh, you got your ass kicked, dude. You know, like you could escape to a safe haven. Now this thing, like the phone, mm. yeah. and kids are getting these phones younger and younger and younger. Like the kids I see with smartphones on Snapchat terrifies me for my daughters. I'm just like, man, you're in a whole new world there that is relentless, 24-7, and anyone can write anything they want with, a, with, a, with an armor against them. Like there's no consequence of responsibility. Just about to ask that, Steve, is how do you feel about this with your daughters? You I'm know, t- not far off, it's like just around the corner. I think it's never been more important than, than teaching kids self-awareness, self-awareness from the, the youngest age. And I think the number well, one thing that you can teach kids is, is really true love from their parents so that they feel confident within themselves. Like... I think that's the number one thing that me and Anna are trying to do as parents. Yeah, academics, yeah, whatever. Like the iPad can teach them that. But if I don't give my daughters enough love and teach them to love themselves and be aware of themselves and to know who they are and where their value comes from, they're going to get thrown into a world so quickly where pressure is added to them and no wonder kids are anxious. They're not ready to deal with that. Like when I was eight, I wasn't ready to deal with that. You know what I mean? Mm-mm. I was just trying to play with my my, my Charizard, you know, yeah. like yeah, <laughs> Pokemon cards. Finally, and like, Charlie finally upload this Charizard shiny card for something worth its value in return. Totally, man. I was trying to work out how to make some money with the with the Charizards. <laughs> um, but like, I don't know. I'm I'm t- I'm I'm terrified for them. Like, we're gonna delay them getting phones. Call me traditional. As long as we damn well can. It's good, man. That, that will probably give them a huge advantage in the long run, though. Well, I think so. Like, literally, the one thing that we just keep teaching the kids is, like, kindness. Yeah. Kindness is the best quality you can have. It is. It totally is. You get so far with just that alone. Yep. Yep. I think that's... You touch on something there, which I've been thinking a lot about what's missing lately. And it's, like... It's the heart. It's heartfulness, you know? Yeah. It's like it runs in their heads and especially those who are addicted to social media and always on technology, blah, blah, blah. Like, and then sometimes I feel like, anyway, I'll come back to that. But that's a very, it's a very head kind of focused activity. Mm. Like no one's, Mm. you can't really practice true kindness or opening your heart to others when you're, on a screen because the only way we do that is like connecting with each other, Mm. you know, person to person. Mm. And the more, especially like, and I imagine a a little brain, you know, a young person's brain, I can't, I can see it just being, it's not going to form in its full potential if it's not being connected with others in an authentic way. hundred percent dude. And Kindness is, it's the road there, I think. I think you're totally, touching man. something very important there. Totally. And I, I'm only just starting to get the, the weight of responsibility around this. You know, I, I even travel a lot with my work. And so I even notice a difference in, in my daughters, whether I've spent time with them or not. Like I've been, if I've been away from them for a little while, uh, Nora, my youngest one, her social anxiety increases. Mm-hmm. And she gets anxious and she, she cries more. And mm-hmm. she doesn't know how to explain the feelings that she's got. 
But when I just send like just spend quality time with them, and here's the big thing: non-distracted, true connection. Yes, <laughs> they, they, there's something that happens within them that the effects of it is almost instantaneous. Yeah, and I think it goes to that real, true human connection that we're missing. You know. Yeah, and even more so in kids. I think it's I think it's so sad, and because parents are like so hooked on this too. Yeah, like, you see the families spend, out at cafes and every single one of them's on a phone. Yeah. So they, they buy their kids' phones and iPads so that they can get their kids distracted so that they can spend some more time on their own social medias. Um, and I'm not, I'm not judging parenting, but like I'm judging my own parenting the times when I get stuck on this damn thing, even doing emails. I'm like, stuff this. Just like sit with your kids and just chill for a bit, you know? Like... Mm-hmm. I reckon parks are the most underrated place on the planet. <laughs> like, just go to some parks more. Leave yeah. your phones at home. But yeah. I think this is what's going to happen. I, I, my prediction is we're going to turn back into, uh, like, romanticism is going to have a huge comeback in the next five, ten years. That's my hope. I, 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 could, I could potentially see things getting so ridiculous that we kind of wake up. So... <laughs> what's hope you know we might we might suddenly realize that what's happening with technology and social media is affecting our behavior on on a huge level and that it's some kind of weird social experiment that no one signed up for and that you know it'll just have that much of an effect <laughs> that we'll pull back well imagine this in 10 years time mark zuckerberg is classed a criminal of the highest level <laughs> <laughs> for creating this and ruining humanity. I feel sorry for him. Yeah, well, he's unleashed a beast, mate. That's Pandora's box that you can't put back. Yeah, and it's not like he was he set out to do that. Yeah, that's true. I think he's just like, he's, he's in over his head. He doesn't know how to... Yeah, I feel sorry for that dude. Yeah. Mark, if you're listening, you're welcome to come on the podcast and talk about uh, it. Yeah, if you're listening again, we, we saw you in the last week. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Steve, what's your what's your kind of notion of romanticism in, in all this? Like, what does that look like? I think people are going to re- reconnect back to um, the beauty of nature. Yeah, I think I think people are going to spend more time outdoors. I think people are going to spend more time dis- like purposefully disconnected. Um, I think I think people are going to. I, I I'm seeing like. I think it will be a form of meditation that isn't classed as meditation, but does the same thing as meditation. Because, you know, I think I think there's an element of branding that turns a lot of people off. Give you an example, like mindfulness, sitting with your own thoughts, sitting on a cushion. Some people go, that's woo-woo, Zan, I'm not interested. You tell someone to go for a bushwalk, and then they're like, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, totally. well said. But there's this... It's a very, it's a like, so this is my marketing branding hat. Like <laughs> I'm thinking that, yeah. I'm thinking that. And I've, I've, I've got a lot of issues with the um, Nook mindfulness as it's known as well. I like that. I've never heard of that. Mindfulness. <laughs> I've never heard of that before. What's your problem with it? Well, okay. I think this, it gets used as just a, just a tool for increased productivity. How can we be more focused so that we can, do more do more work yeah and it's also like mindfulness comes out of a tradition that's that is it's it's part of a of a of a system of a system of of ethics and morality and what we've done in the west is completely divorced it of all of that and it's not that effective without all the other stuff and uh, i mean it was essentially a tool for you know awakening whatever you want to call that a tool for cutting through the illusion of the self and it's and to do that you had to live a good life and there was there was a lot around what it meant to live a good life that um, potentially gets lost in its capitalistic form Mm. Uh, because yeah I think when you divorce it from its from its religious and moral foundations, mm. there can be issues because, you know, I've heard it said that a thief needs to be mindful. You know, a pickpocket will be really, really mindful, hmm. but they're still a thief. There's no, 
you know, it doesn't the morality, the morality of it. No, yeah. there's no morality in it at all. And we need more of that. But there are a lot of like heart practices and mm-hmm. loving kindness practices that that are really beautiful that I that I love because that's yeah that trains that side of things a bit more. I reckon kindness is making a comeback, dude. I hope so. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the kindness world tour. I'll be part of. Yeah, Let's I'll take it on a world it's tour. It's just a simple thing to do. Then it's just a very simple worthwhile yeah. thing to do that hasn't been distorted yet, in my opinion. So easy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just yeah. still to me. To me, kindness is still one of those pure things that most people have Pretty the pure. same sort of definition of. Most people know how to do it. Yeah. And typically, when done well, it's not skewed in any weird way. It's just just be kind. You know. It's not a term that you really need to define. It's just it's like, not. And I think what the, I think if everyone embraces kindness as well, we will be able to have more of these discussions where even if you disagree on a fundamental level, you can still be kind with one another. And you can exactly. still have respectful conversations and, and meaty, wholesome conversations, you know. I've, mm. had, I've had plenty of conversations with people that are like, oh, Steve, you're listening to your podcast. You know, you're, you're dealing with people with lots of different, you know, worldviews and mindsets. Like, how does that go? I'm like, yeah, cool. Just They're great people. Like, just chat with them. <laughs> they're not <laughs> – it's not scary. I think that's a real downfall of particularly my faith in Christianity. It's so siloed and so in a box. People are terrified to talk with anyone that doesn't have the same faith as them. You know, yeah. it's like sin's going to rub off on you or something. I'm like, no, it's not it yeah. at all. Like, I'd, yeah. I'd, 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 I think it'd be a problem if we we didn't have that diversity and 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 that healthy level of challenge and discussion around it, you know? Sure. But And it would also be really weird and counterproductive if everyone was into the same religion. Yeah. That would be counterproductive. Like, well, maybe that's why. Well, I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't. But maybe, actually, no. Maybe that, maybe that's a utopia. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe there wouldn't be so many wars and stuff. Uh, I guess I I say that just because I love hearing different points of view. Same. And that when and I think a big problem at the moment is that people, you know, the confirmation bias. People just want their opinions validated and confirmed over and over again and any evidence that doesn't support that view is going to be constantly thrown out the window for sure dude and And literally removed from the news feed yeah well that's how people are getting siloed into these weird tribal groups and opening up to new ideas is like it's medicine actually i think i've got the 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 nice pair now like for me to this is good it's like parenting conversation <laughs> i think i think at the heart of it is if you can instill curiosity and kindness like you're pretty well set to handle anything in life in my opinion yeah curious open-mindedness forever being that forever student and explorative by nature but then showing kindness to the people that you you see and you face and you you deal with you're a pretty sick world and it's pretty simple yeah. if you think about it like that be For curious sure. be kind you know that's uh that's good it's good business yeah. It, <laughs> that's uh, it it's a four, it's, it's a four good ni- business it's a 495 ebook uh it's coming out soon <laughs> yeah. is that good business though i don't think it should be i don't think it should be business i think there's some things that should be sacred and be separated from the likes of money sure oh jeez, you've hit that what do we got here? you take issue dust 5 13 p.m and he's thrown that under the bus <laughs> i just think I just think uh, I just think there's not much left in the world that's been kept sacred, and I think there's something within us that is very aligned to things being sacred. Yeah, I think we okay. have an inner um, uh, how would I put it? An inner yearning mm. for things that are sacred, for sure. I'll give you I'll, I'll give you a really simple example of this of the inner conflict people feel. When they go to a zoo and they see an amazing animal <laughs> that really makes them in awe and inspired and fall in love with nature and the beauty of creation, in my opinion. And then part of them feels like, geez, I feel sorry for that panda stuck in captivity and I've just paid 65 bucks to see it. Yeah. There's part of that that is sacred. You know totally. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, at that, at the, the, flip side, the flip side of that is that panda goes out in the wild and someone shoots it and then their species becomes ex- extinct. For sure, but that's not the kind of business that you pay 65 bucks to no, see. No, no, no. You, hope <laughs> you know what I mean? No. Uh, are you saying money money is one of these sacred things, Steve? No, I think money is a corruptor of sacred things. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. 
I think All so. Right. There's some it's things that were and we've since resolved the issue. yeah, yeah. So I think there's some things that are sacred, and then and then money gets introduced, and it no longer becomes sacred. Mm, interesting. Yeah, it, it's a it's a slippery kind of term, even sacredness. Yeah. Well, you, know? you define it, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. All I'm saying is, I'd like more sacredness back. Keep that silence in the podcast, Matt. Don't you dare edit that. <laughs> Don't one. edit that one. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think it'd be I think it'd be a good world. I think it'd be a better world if we if we brought that back. I a agree. Bit more of that back. I agree. And and people people get it wrong. A lot of people quote this and they misquote it when they say uh, money is the root of all evil. It's actually misquoted. It's uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. Brilliant. Um, and so this is something that I've used to always think, you know, money's the root of all, you can't, you got to avoid money, you know, but like money's just a thing. It's got, you know, people talk about it all the time. It's just, it's just a representation of something so much more meaningful. Yeah. Um, but I really think people do get pretty, pretty skewed and pretty distorted when they fall in love with money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they turn, I, I always used to say this thing, you know, when a good thing becomes a God thing, it becomes a bad thing. <laughs> and yeah. so, some people worship money to the to the detriment of everything else around them, to the point where they ruin things that are sacred. They they forget who they were making the money for in the first place. Yeah, and uh, and and they just you know they they get overcome by it. So anyway, that's that's my observation of like bring back the sacred sacred stuff. I think it's a very kind of you speak to the stoic ideal when you when you talk about that especially the way you talk about money there like i think you should be if it were to all like kind of go all your material goods i think ideally you want to be in a place where you'd be okay with that hmm. i definitely don't want to get rid of all my material goods yeah but it's not i'm not saying that you should or like like i'm going to continue to earn as much money as i can and buy the things that i want yeah yeah but ultimately you're not taking any of that with you oh for sure you know for sure i think it's important to think that big sometimes like 100 what do i want on my deathbed yeah i've you been really I, you don't give I've, a shit about the, your coat or unless you're cold but you, you know <laughs> you, you, <laughs> But as soon as you die, you you don't care about Depends that. Depends what you're dying of, really. Your money, your money, <laughs> yeah. your money in the Arctic sort of circle. Stuff. I just yeah, not for I, sure. Yeah, and I, I yeah, that's a truth. I've, I've been tossing up this thing or or exploring this this thing like this concept of like permanence, and that things that have permanence uh, are valuable. But as soon as you put yourself into that situation and you don't like flesh, right? Flesh aside. Mm. spirituality aside regardless of whether you believe but yeah flesh flesh side you know we're just not permanent beings like we're just not hanging around forever nothing's and permanent so nothing's permanent yeah well yeah and yeah well it's it's kind of i don't know if i can say that to a christian catholic i'm not a catholic but i'm christian christian well yeah. you have you have the you have the eternal truth which is presumably is um unchanging right well i believe in eternity for sure Mm. i think there's some things that do have permanence but it depends how you define permanence like even yeah i think it's it's the nature of things to be impermanent and to be aligned with that yeah, yeah, yeah is to approach a certain amount of happiness well i suppose if you if you define anything physical anything physical is impermanent Yep. Like even the earth is impermanent as a whole. Yeah. Like one day, well, the sun is a great example. Like it will scientifically burn up and disappear at some point. So yep. like it's not even going to be around forever. Yeah. No, uh, I'll but back if, the sun. I'll back it. I <laughs> it's hanging around. It's going to hang in there. But I suppose from a spiritual point of view, then, you know, I believe that is permanent. But mm. can you really define that as permanent? It's not really physical, is it? I think you get what I'm trying to say, right? I do, for sure. Yeah. 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 But I'm I'm even thinking about like certain things have permanence beyond your own lifetime. I think those are valuable. As in like certain legacies that you can leave. Yeah, yeah. That's why I love writing more than yeah. anything. Yeah. Because it has a state of permanence. Like I can literally die 
and there'll be part of me that could live on. And books can hang around for a little bit if they're looked after. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that, that's what I mean. Those things have value. Sure. Creations. I think creative people, when, when, they get, when they explore permanent things or how do they create things that live longer than them, I think people start doing their best work which I mean, which I think points to something greater sometimes. Yeah, it's awesome. Well yeah, said. yeah, that's kind of transcendental that that way of thinking. Yeah, and I think that's when I think that's when people are in flow. Like you know, when people say you know, in that real state of flow where things are just cooking. Yeah, I think it's when there's 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 a transcendent nature to the work or to the thing that they're doing. Totally, that's the best art. You can feel that. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm. That's what I'm exploring lately. That's what I'm really digging lately. Yeah. And then when you go into it with a curious mind, it's just a cool world out there. You see stuff that is like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, that's what I'm kind of getting at. But then at the same time, we go back into a normal businessy, worky world where it's pretty permanent. Like it's it's focused on that. It's sort of like work hard, get your money. <laughs> yeah. Your, which is ne- which is necessary, co- you know. But yeah, totally. I think like, it's a gateway, right? I think that that bigger view of things just makes the more mundane better mm. and more meaningful. Yeah, for sure. Like otherwise you just I, I just think there's a lot of people who are just grinding. Totally, man. Do you think do you find do you find them um difficult to speak with, Fab? Like do you I don't know. I love in this podcast because it's a it's naturally attracting guests that like to think a little bit deeper about stuff. Mm. Um I'm not sure about you, but do you go back out into the world and, you know, you try and have conversations that are even somewhat beyond, hey, what are you doing this week? And they're like, Ugh, don't talk to me anymore. Yeah. Because I'm finding that a little bit. They're just like, uh, no, let's just talk about a business plan or something, hey? Yeah. It's something that can be hard to navigate. Sometimes uh, it can be, it can feel kind of isolating or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, I think when I, you know, if it, if topics start to get a bit deeper, a bit real, I see like fear come up in people a lot in response to mm. that. Mm. Um, I agree. So there'll be an immediate, immediate resistance to that. Mm. Um, yeah, for which, sure. which I understand. Um, yeah, because yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a tricky thing. Mm. Got it. Do you, do you feel like, obviously, the pursuit of love type thing, do you feel like there is a love that you're pursuing, like something that you're on the quest of chasing, so to speak, or pursuing? Yeah, I mean, I was kind of thinking about that before doing the podcast and listening to your podcast, and I couldn't really nail it down to one thing. Like, there are, there are levels of things that, I'm, that I love and that I'm pursuing, I guess. Like, the ultimate thing would be, It'd have to be truth with a capital T. Yeah, boy. Um, yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. You, you got it, sir. Yeah, boy. Um, and <laughs> I don't know. We need it's, more sound effects back. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we do. We need a sound effects board so bad. Yeah, I've like actually got one. We've actually everything. got one. We've got a MIDI player, like one of those little trackpad things. Yeah. We are, Matt, me, that's oh, part of your job this week, dude. We are hooking that thing up. Like, boy, 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 boy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Um, yeah. And then the thing that really interests me is like the mind and the nature of the mind and, you know, mm. why we do the things we do and well-being and how to, how to heal like mm. each other and ourselves. Um, I think we're a little bit sick in this society in many ways and I'm interested in how to um, how to make that better mm. and how to be healthier. And there are ways to do it and I've been exploring them and that's exciting. Well, that's definitely not going away anytime soon, right? What's like, that? Uh, sickness. Oh, well, no. She'll be fine, mate. That's a no. worthy thing to pursue. That's a noble thing to pursue. Well, we can do things. We can do things better, and we can be. We can be way happier. Yeah, for sure. And we, do, yeah, yeah. So that's, I'll call that my pursuit. I love it. With that in mind, Steve, is it time to? Yeah, let's bust up. Confront him with the most scary question ever asked. Uh oh. Have you got right to the end of a podcast, Fab? No. Of yours. Yeah. The Just the one with 
Dan. Oh yeah, yeah. So this is the question, right? You might have heard it. I think I forgot. What is something what is something that you have come to know and believe to be true, whether that's in your life or in your line of work, um, that you just simply know many other people disagree with? That's such a good question. Mm. Came up with it myself. And nailing it. I know we say this episode after episode, man, but time after time you're getting one percent better, ten percent better. It's just you crafted it. What the question? Decided, oh, it's so I've, good. It started off like I didn't know what it was going to be the first time you asked, and now it's just word for word, perfect. Three episodes. I've decided done. that's what I want to put on my tombstone. Nice. So if people are walking past, they're like, "Oh, yeah, good question." <laughs> Next week it'll be on the soundboard, and you won't even have to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah. I've become I've become redundant from the episode. <laughs> Something that I've come to understand that I feel like other people don't understand no i would disagree with what's something that something you something you've come to know and believe to be true yeah uh you can take it as big or as small as you want but you just you just know a bunch of other people just like no disagree with that yeah um i would say that we're that we're basically spiritual creatures much more beyond our materialist perspective would have us believe I think we're, I think we're confined by our um, materialistic view of the universe, and I think it brings people a lot of suffering because they're not in touch with what they truly are. But a lot of people are like, "Yeah, fuck out, you full of shit." That's just hippie woo woo. Get yeah. out of here. That's true, but I, I think you've touched on something really good there. That's cool, dude. Yeah. Love it, Faber. Thank you for joining us. You're a good man, Fab. You're a good man. All right, thanks. Thanks. Appreciate it, and um. Thanks for, you know, it's awesome what you guys are doing. It's inspiring, I think, that you just go out and you just attack it and you Thanks, you man. do what you want Thank to you. do. Thanks, man. It's awesome. Thank you. You know, most people don't have yeah, the, uh, we'll keep yeah, doing I don't know. It. Thanks, Larry. Really appreciate thanks. it. And uh, yeah, thanks for jumping on the Pursuit of Love podcast. If you've dug the episode, love for you to leave a review. Put some comments down. We're actually loving the words that people are putting in with the reviews. Any stars you like, we'd love to know your, uh, your true and honest perspective. And if you've stumbled across this on some form of social media, despite us just tearing it to bits, yeah, keep the conversations going in there because I think it's, um, it's pointing people to more meaningful stuff than the... Uh, than the pretty surface level rubbish that we seem to consume. So appreciate you listening. See you on the next episode very soon.